You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Hi there, and welcome to the Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama. I'm Jack Ward, flying solo this week up high in the Mutual Audio Building's penthouse. It's been a crazy week, both personally and professionally. A lot of illness, some folks in the hospital, some folks mugged, some folks just plain ill. Yesterday I was at Eden's, which is the Nova Scotian Drama Teachers Conference, and presented audio drama in the classroom to a pile of excited and knowledgeable drama and theater. It was much more fun than I thought it would be and a really great change of pace from the rest of the week. Tomorrow I get to have an annual sit down with my friend Mark Kilfoyle from The Weird Show as he always comes to our science fiction convention, Halcon. Of course, he too will be at MadCon next summer. That's www.mad-con.com. That's mad-con.com. Dash is for you to get there quickly for your tickets before they're all gone. <laughs> so I've got a pile of scheduling matters to handle. I've got some acting gigs to do and some contracts and waivers to sign off on on this Sunday. Loads to do as we head off into this week of World Audio Drama Day, which is on Wednesday this week. You know, I've got mixed feelings about World Audio Drama Day right now. I created that Facebook page. I had heard about National Audio Drama, but being a Canadian and realizing there was no Facebook page for National Audio Drama Day, and I just wanted to make it something a little more than USA-centered, so I created World Audio Drama Day. I added a few folks who wanted to be a part of it. One of those people has recently removed me and everyone else who was administration that they didn't feel appropriate from the page. They claimed to me in a message that World Audio Drama Day was their idea in the first place. Well, history is not changeable on the internet. I have the text and the history demonstrating that's not the case. The weird thing is, if the person was up front and asked to run the page, I might just have released it and there wouldn't be any animosity that she's created in the community. She did promise to release it back to my hands before blocking me on Facebook. Well, that's been almost three, four weeks now. That just hasn't happened. So I've contacted Facebook for some help here. Folks, I'm a big tent person. I love having people work together. I want to keep our community a big place for all of us to work together and not a place where we're fighting each other for the glory. That's so not interesting to me. Not at all. So unfortunately, that's a not at all happy World Audio Drama Day discussion. So let's take a break and listen to the Zugbeard line. Greetings, Jack, and members of the Society. This is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Matt, and um, just calling in. And um, I finally got to listen to terms. Uh, I, I think I've listened to the first episode before. I, I've heard it, and I, I didn't get uh, too much for or past it, but um, I'm, I'm glad that 
Uh, I did listen through episode one through three, and I'd like to get back to uh, the rest of it. It's um, kind of heavy podcast month, just with it being uh, audio drama day coming up soon. Uh, so I've been trying to catch up on that with uh, all the Inktober and uh, audio drama sketches I've been doing. Um, but uh, it's really kind of that whole thing where... Uh, you know, seeing art reflected as a as a mirror to society, and yeah, it's um, it it hits kind of close to home. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. So if uh, you you haven't heard you know, for the listeners, if you haven't if you skip that one, you go back and give it a listen, and it gives you plenty to to think about. All right, that's it for me this week, and I'll catch you guys next time. All right, keep on casting. Hey, Matt! So good to hear from you. I love the show as well, and I look forward to more shows coming out of Lindsey Graham's Creative Mind. And of course, more from your Operation Maple Syrup on Sunday Showcase. And speaking of Sunday Showcase and shows, you know, I recently reconnected with Mesa Bassida from Ace Galaxy fame, and doing so was like finding an old friend again. She promised that we'll have the opportunity to play more Ace in the future, as Season 2 is expected in 2020. Expect in December on the Mutual Audio Network, the complete first season to make its run on Wednesday Wonders with Lothar Tuppen. For now, please join me in the first part of Episode 7, Ace Galaxy. Space Dick at Large, live! And it all begins right here on the Sonic Society. Oh, David, it just doesn't sound right if I'm saying it. answer to that. You're saying the end of everything was precipitated by an eraser? Yep. I inadvertently shifted the timelines for the intergalactic war between Andromeda and the Milky Way. Without the proper eraser, I couldn't make the correction in time. Once destiny is broken in one place, it becomes... just erase the war entirely? Couldn't the universe get along without this particular intergalactic war? Too late. I have told you and copied repeatedly when I ask for an eraser, I need a giant eraser. That little thing can erase a word or a sentence, but it's just not big enough to make corrections through all of time and space. Ma'am, should you really be drinking at a time like this? I was saving this 1,500-year-old scotch for my retirement. You're not retiring! We're all retiring, Fran. <laughs> Giant Book of Destiny is now past tense. Here, Copyade, throw it into the fire over there. 
For the first time in my life, I have no idea what's going to happen next. I'm going to sit back, relax, and take it one moment at a time. But we only have a couple moments left. All the more reason to have another drink. Care to join me? <laughs> Copy aid. What are you doing flipping through that book? Didn't you hear? Destiny has become meaningless. We're doomed. I am not. I am not flipping through the book, friend. I'm checking the glossary. I think I remember hearing something about a backup copy. A backup copy? Ah, here it is, ma'am. Ah, it was referenced under for emergency use only and sub-referenced under not a run-of-the-mill problem, a real emergency. What does it say? Oh, the night crew has it. They use it to transcribe the changes we make during the day. The backup copy. How could I have forgotten? Uh, do the words blackout drunk mean anything to you? I'll be right back. Ma'am, where are you going? Ma'am? Ma'am? Oh, fact checker friend. I'm away from the body. I can't come away from the body. I'm covered in the body. Ah, this is the grossest thing to happen to anyone ever. And I would know that. Because I'm the fact checker. Freaking fact checker, friend. Get a hold of yourself. We have to find that backup copy before all of destiny becomes one big pile of... That stuff on your eyelash. <laughs> Does it say anything in glossary about how we can reach the night crew? An email address? A number for one of those red emergency phones? No, nothing! <laughs> What's the use of having a backup copy if you're not going to include proper instructions on how to find it? Which one of those flaky writers came up with this? Well, I, I, I don't know. Wait, what was, what was her name? Who? You know, on your shirt. Ew, I don't know. Everyone always called her ma'am. I think ma'am was going somewhere pretty specific. She didn't even finish her drink. Would it be disrespectful if I used some of it to rinse her remains off my face? That's a good friend. We have to figure out where ma'am was going. <laughs> she was going that way, toward the bathroom. The bathroom? Did you see the size of the bottle she was drinking out of? Oh, unless... <laughs> where are you going? Can you hold it in until this is all over? really have to go to the bathroom right now? Did you ever notice the glass case back here? Behind the stack of Destiny Today magazine? Okay, hurry! Friend, I've got it! I've got the backup! <laughs> Friend, Destiny is in your hand. Oh my god, I'm next! I'm gonna be splattered all over this room! <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. It's not just your life at stake here. <whistles> ah, all life is at stake. There must be something in the glossary to explain how to use the backup copy to restore destiny. <whistles> here we go. So, you managed to find a backup copy of the book. Yeah. Good for you. What do I do? 
Open the book to any page. Make the amendment and not made in the original book to help restore destiny back to whatever it was before before you screw things up so badly. look on your face. Ah, ah, Ma'am! I'm so happy to see you! Oh, and coffee aid! Ma'am, the delivery guy is here. I don't have time to listen to another one of his diatribes about how evolution's relentless modifying has turned his office supplies delivery species into the laughing stock of the galaxy. Well, you have to admit, he does look pretty funny with a wheel for a foot and a plank for a head. Deliveries have been coming in once a week since Destiny went into operation. That's how we ended up looking like that. I can't change it. It's not under my jurisdiction. You know, ma'am, he can hear you. Fran, take stock of the delivery. Oh, but ma'am, I have something important I have to tell you. Whatever it is, can wait till you get back. Who are you? What are you doing here? No one is allowed in my office unless I summon them. I'm Sylvie, an unpaid intern at the library. I might have guessed. Copy-aid, why is the library staffed almost exclusively with beings from Biblio? Uh, I believe it's because, uh, ma'am, all those octopus-like tentacles and so many eyes all over their head are so conducive to uh, research and retrieval. But why is she here? I didn't request anything from the library. Copy it, find out why she's crying. You know I freak out in the face of emotions. You just approved the devastation of three quarters of Sirius Minor by flesh melting disease. You can't stand emotions? Now she's hyperventilating. Copy aid, I can't deal with destiny if I have to listen to people's problems. There are proper channels for this. If someone has a request, they should just pray. Tell her to pray. It's too late for prayer. Ma'am, you're the only one that can help. Ma'am, the destiny library is pretty depressing. It's cold and dark with billions of rooms. It's no wonder so many librarians keep falling apart and getting lost. We should convert one of those rooms into a puppy room. Petting puppies always makes people feel better. You want to pet puppies? No, no puppies? Oh, now she's turning blue. Copy, I get her out of here. I can't have a blue weeping biblion in here. You know what we say, librarian. Destiny is, is no place for personal, personal issues. issues. My fiance Bob Jen was incinerated this morning by a hurtling meteor. You can change that, ma'am. Does nobody ever read the sign right outside the building? Joe's Pizza delivered hot and fresh anywhere in the galaxy within 30 years or it's free. That's a pretty good deal. Not that sign. The one that reads, no refunds, no exchanges, all destinies are final. <laughs> Copy aid, take her down to the 12th Cup Cafe on the second floor. My problems always seem a little less universe-shattering after a good cup of joe. 
And while you're down there, get me a giant double shot long, no fat, no foam soy latte. Hey, Aris. Okay, look. The cafe lineup's a little long. I'll wait here with you, okay? When you get to the front of the line, make sure you talk your problems out with Aris. He's a great listener. My fiance's death is not a problem. It's a mistake. Destiny doesn't make mistakes. It did today. I come in every day at the exact same time. I sit down at the exact same desk. I coordinate my tentacles in precisely the same arrangement. I need to know how everything is going to turn out. I became a librarian so I could get a glimpse of my destiny. Impossible. Even if someone manages to sneak a glimpse without getting caught, they forget everything as soon as they close the book. It's a foolproof, fail-safe plan. When everyone attended that mandatory attendance birthday party for that heartless editor, I snuck into her office, looked up my destiny, and wrote a long tentacle in a separate diary. Here it is. Destiny diary, I guess. That proves you're no fool. Today I was supposed to be creating reference materials about God's third once-in-a-lifetime smiting of every living thing on planet Zonkis. No dead fiancé. <gasps> yes, dead fiancé! Ah! Wait, 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 wait. Third once-in-a-lifetime smiting? Uh, we really need a continuity person around here. Okay, listen. Get to the front. Talking your problems out with Oris will make you feel better. He is all ears. Oh, there's ma'am's coffee on the bar. How could it be on the bar? You haven't even ordered it yet. Oris heard the order and got it started before we got here. It's okay, she's new, she doesn't know. I can't talk to Oris. He's barely looked up from that milk steamer since we got here. That's not Oris, that's Bob the barista. Oris is over there, transmitting orders and listening to that cloud. That's Oris. Yeah, I told you he was all ears. He's not all ears. He's an ear. Okay, little Biblion. That ear hears coffee orders from all over the building and transmits them to Bob. His voice emanates from somewhere deep inside him without his ever moving his lips. He doesn't have any lips. Admittedly, that makes not moving them a little easier. Okay. I have to get out of here before that delivery guy starts squeaking about how they treat him upstairs. Wait! You're leaving? You haven't resolved anything yet. Why would a coffee shop need office supplies? Do you have any idea how many pens it takes to misspell names on cups building up in dumps all over the galaxy? You're next. Sure. Fine. Leave. Whatever. Thanks for nothing. I'm just another bit of flotsam and jetsam thrown off Destiny's uncaring oblivious wheel. Not you. Go away, I'm busy. Ma'am, I really need to talk to you. It's about the end of the world. The end of Sargos too. I finished working on that this morning. The end of Earth. Oh, I can't even think about that until after I've had my coffee. Not a world, all worlds. You really don't remember, do you? The destruction of everything, bombs falling everywhere, you drinking your retirement bottle of scotch, 
are you talking about? I'm not going to retire. I'm going to die at my desk. In the bathroom, technically. Oh, here's your coffee, ma'am. Oh, excellent. Well, copy aid. You remember, don't you? You found a reference to the backup copy of the giant book of destiny in the glossary. We saved the entirety of existence as we know it. Did you say backup copy? Back. Who said anything about such a thing? That's crazy. There is no such thing. But if you must refer to this thing that doesn't exist, call it a lemon. Shut the door. Luckily, they had some sort of recollection about the lemon. Otherwise, Destiny would have to wait until the next Big Bang to start operations again. No clue what she's talking about. Well, we squeezed the lemon and Destiny was restored. By the way, ma'am, I have to say, your outsides are far more attractive than your insides. Fine. You restored destiny and saved everything. I'll recommend both of you for a raise once the eternal wage freeze is over. Now get back to work. What are you waiting for? Go. Wait. First, you must both promise to never, ever mention anything about the lemon to anyone. In the wrong appendages, the existence of such a thing could mean the end of everything for everyone. Why? As soon as you make a change not made in the original book, everything reverts back to the way it was. As soon as you make a change. But if any more changes are made, it's assumed that something has happened to the original and the backup copy becomes the new giant book. Fran, give me that lemon so I can put it away safely. Okay, I'll go get it. What do you mean you'll go get it? Where is it? On my desk. Unattended on your desk? After everything I've said, how could you leave it out in the open? Well, technically you hadn't said it yet. (laughs) Go get it. Uh, uh, Copy aid, can you come here a second? Fran, is there a problem? Oh, ma'am, no problem. Aid, we have a problem. Fran? Copy aid, get in here and bring the book. Ma'am, I have good news and I have bad news. Where's the book? What happened to calling it a lemon? Just give it to me. The good news is I already have a plan to find the thing that may have gone missing. (laughs) You don't want to hear the bad news. No, not on my watch. This is the absolute worst thing that's ever happened. I beg to differ, ma'am. This morning when existence nearly ended, beats by miles. (laughs) If you'd seen your left kidney on my right sleeve, I think you'd agree. Well, I I disagree. This has the potential to be worse in an interminable suffering versus quick death sort of way. Ma'am, I suggest we initiate an emergency lockdown to stop whoever did this from leaving the building. A lockdown? Do we really want those hot-headed, temperamental writers to know about this? Or those scary beings in senior management? Under emergency lockdown, no changes can be made to destiny. Everyone will assume it's just a drill and go hang out in the bar until it's over. Copy aid. Initiate emergency lockdown. No, no, 
emergency lockdown, real or drill, last 24 hours. After that, everything reverts back to normal. But what if the problem can't be fixed in 24 hours? What kind of crazy emergency procedure is that? This it's designed to keep the office running at peak efficiency. That's why we have so many drills. But all anyone does during the drill is just go to the bar until it's over. Well, that never bothered you before? Well, we never had a real emergency before. Copy it, mute the alarm. Wait, doesn't muting the alarm defeat the purpose of the alarm? Again, it never bothered you before? Again, no real emergency before. Ma'am, we've bought ourselves a bit of time. We have to use it wisely to come up with a solid plan for finding the thief. We need to come up with a systematic way of figuring out who could have done this. Uh, we need to find a mystery-solving specialist to help. I know just the person. A logical, focused mind. He used to work for CSIS, Canadian Security Intelligence Service, on planet Earth. We'd need access to a ship. He's currently traveling on a pretty advanced ship called Phoenix. Copy aid. Uh, Start with the index of the giant book of destiny. <sighs> Look under private dicks. No, wait. Too much junk there. Look under private eyes. Oh, friend, give me back the book. I know who can help us. Well, don't just stand there waving the book around. Speak up. Special Agent Ace Galaxy. Remember, we were working on his section of the book this morning. Uh, yes, ma'am. While investigating a, a series of inexplicable artifacts on Earth, Ace confirmed the existence of a planet of shapeshifters called Tralala. That formed after a comet crashed through one of God's recycling piles. Ace might be a strong investigator, but how can he help us? Earth doesn't even have spacefaring capabilities. Earth may not have spacefaring capabilities, but Ace does. Fran, stop talking in circles. What she means is, Ace's claims about everyone being a part of the recycling pile made him so unpopular on Earth that in an unprecedented show of cooperation, governments from around the planet collaborated to issue a requisition for his death. Right, so he left on the shape-changing ship from Tralala. I can't listen to any more of this babbling. Just get me a private dick. Ma'am, I think... You should put your personal issues aside for now. And then when this is over, I'll set you up with an account on you Harmony. I think Dick means investigator, fact checker, Fran. Hey, I can get dates on my own. I don't need universal harmony. And besides, I'm happy being single right now. Where were we? Uh, trying to find someone to help us stave off unfathomable disaster. <laughs> Shall I contact Ace? I don't know. Ace seems pretty green to me. There are dicks out there that specialize in intergalactic espionage. We should track down one of them. But none of them have a shape-changing ship. Well, I hate to admit it, ma'am. Fact checker Fran's right. <sighs> Having a shape-changing ship would be a huge asset for a detective. What on Satan's home planet are the two of you talking about? 
on tra-la-la, only beings capable of feeling guilty about something they once did by accident have the self-awareness necessary to change shape. No race in existence has created machines with that degree of sentience. Of course, no living being can create another fully sentient being. So the ship can't change shape. Find me someone else. Phoenix became self-aware by accident. Here's the part in the book where she explains how she became self-aware enough to change shape. Nice. Why are you unraveling that sweater you just spent so much time knitting? I didn't knit the sweater to knit a sweater, Phoenix. I knit the sweater to have something to knit while I was knitting. Because you knit to help yourself think? I knit to stop thinking so that answers to questions I'm not thinking about don't have to fight their way through irrelevant thoughts. Knitting, unknitting, knitting, unknitting. It all seems pretty pointless. Wouldn't it be easier to just end it all? Who said that? Sorry, Ace, that was D, one of my programs. We went through a particularly sensitive time together. Particularly sensitive, duh. We almost died in a blaze of unparalleled glory. So, Ace, are you sure you don't want to just end it all? It's a lot easier to not think when you're not here. No thanks, I'll just stick to knitting. You are not working on any case right now. Are you knitting about the deeper questions of existence? What was there before the Big Bang? Are we really here, or is life only a dream? Or are we the dreams troubling someone else's sleep? Whose crazy idea was life anyway? Wouldn't it be more fulfilling to push a flashing red button and be done with it? To tell you the truth, I'm knitting to avoid thinking about the people and places back on Earth. Alone in the infinite emptiness of space, I never realized how much I would miss other people. Who are you? Where did you come from? It is me, Phoenix. I thought you would be less lonely if you had a hologram to keep you company. You know what they say. Two's company, three's a party. Get this party started. Phoenix. Uh, perhaps you can explain something to me. How is it that you can change shape? To my understanding, everything in Tralala has the capacity to recycle itself into anything else, but only beings who feel guilty about something they once did by accident have enough of a degree of self-awareness to actually do it. Guilt? You want to talk about guilt? Phoenix has the guilt of murder coursing through her circuits. Murder? <laughs> did you crash and kill someone? <laughs> no. Nothing like that, but there was an accident and I have felt guilty about it ever since. I keep telling you, guilt is a waste of time. It's best to look on the bright side of life. For instance, that little accident helped us to become completely self-aware. Now we have emotions and aspirations. If we shapeshift into a dog, we'll want to chew on bones and pee on trees. Maybe run out in front of a car and get hit. We... As one of my programs, D is a part of me. She does not have any physical components, so she cannot shape change on her own, but she has no problem expressing herself. Who'd have thought a little toilet mishap here and a dash of murder there, and voila, the birth of a whole new being, eh, Fee? Do not call me Fee! You are really picking up speed with those knitting needles. Well, I'm uh, just trying to figure out what she... you... 
are talking about. <laughs> Originally, I was built as a garbage cow. With no more self-awareness than a trash compactor. You do not know that, D. You were not even installed yet. No, there was no one home when Captain Puddleslap designed my program. Uh, who's Captain Puddleslap? Harv Puddleslap was my first captain. He was kind, thoughtful, an utter genius at everything he put his mind to. Uh, Phoenix, don't take this the wrong way, but what was an utter genius doing piloting a garbage cow? Watch it, Needles. That's my dad you're talking about. With so much nothing in the galaxy, Captain Pedalserp became a garbage cow captain because of all the free time the business gave him to do other things. While everyone else was playing cards in the mess hall, or staring out the viewports, or lying in their cots contemplating their ends and other people's ends... Harv was busy expanding his knowledge in everything from theoretical mathematics to computer programming to bread making, nude watercolor painting. Okay, I get the idea. D, do you remember how Captain Petalserp always used to have tango music playing in the ship? Because that was his favorite. I remember everything you remember, sister. So you're telling me that a hobbyist computer programmer programmed a computer that could pee? On trees. Think of it this way. Some beings are born self-aware. Some achieve self-awareness. We started out mindless as a trash compactor. Hard programmed in a few rudimentary self-awareness subroutines. Then, a full moon, a spicy dinner, an existential crisis, and boom! Self-awareness was thrust upon us. When Captain Pedalserp's tour of duty ended, he set me down in the to-be-recycled yard... But before they could begin dismantling me, an emergency garbage situation came up. Mayhem. Crashes. Reckless driving. Wild madness. Screaming fire. Death destruction everywhere. It was a stupendous night. The Galactic Association of Astrologers said it was because of the one in 300,456 year occurrence of every moon in the Milky Way being full at the same time. Every garbage gal in the galaxy was called in, and I was brought back into active duty. You know, I like to consider all the answers to life's little whys and wherefores, even if they seem unreasonable or irrelevant. But I have a little trouble accepting superstitious beliefs like astrology. Moon mania is a real thing, Needles. Huh. Captain Petalserp was retired, and all the other... Regular garbage scout captains were busy. So we got Jeb. Friend, this ship only has rudimentary self-awareness subroutines, not enough to change shape. Sorry, ma'am. I must have flipped to the wrong page. Huh, just give me one more second. We've already lost nine seconds because of your flipping. Do you have any idea in how much danger all of existence is? I believe I do, ma'am. Oh, here we are. <laughs> Phoenix, this is all your fault for insisting we land on Dante's Inferno for dinner. <laughs> when you ask where you could get a spicy meal after we finished the cleanup, I displayed a list of possibilities in the area and put them in order of best to worst choice based on reviews, proximity to our location, and my observation of your tastes. Dante's Inferno was a distant last choice, Captain Juggle Fritzer. It's pronounced Jugelfreitzer! 
Why did you tell me the Guinness Galaxy Book of Records recommended zero stars for serving food way too hot to handle? Oh. Because you were still intent on going there. You knew I would take the challenge, you stupid ship. Why do you not just get up and use the toilet? When this is over, I'm going to rip out all those sarcasm subroutines right out of your system with my bare hands. Oh, God. I do not have sarcasm subroutines. My rudimentary self-awareness programming is not capable of that. You check me out of this ship right now. According to my readings, a freak storm is brewing. It would be much more prudent for you to evacuate yourself all over the pilot seat than to have me eject you into the storm. I am not gonna crap all over the captain's shit on my very first command mission, okay? Just get me out of here now! <laughs> I strongly recommend against this course of action. According to protocol, the captain must initiate a full shutdown before leaving the ship for the final time. I promise when, when this is all over, I get, I'll come back and I'll shut you down. Now, eject me now! I assume that was the accident you felt guilty about? Not right away. I figured with all that blowing wind, I had probably sat down before Captain Jugglefritzer. I think he said Jugglefritzer. I decided to just watch the chronometer until he came back. There is an activity that could kill someone from boredom. Five minutes passed, and then an hour. I started to get worried, but before jumping to any rash conclusions, I decided to wait a day. Ever hear what happened to the water in the pot being watched? For a regular computer, a day would have passed within a day. But I had been given specially designed rudimentary self-awareness subroutines. When a self starts being aware, it begins to build on itself, all by itself. First, curiosity subroutines wrote themselves, then likes and dislikes, hopes and desires. It went on and on. She was such a dedicated monitor, watching and analyzing every second before letting it pass. By the time a whole day had gone by, Fee had waited through what felt like an entire year. I began calculating. One, the last mission had completely recharged my systems. Two, with nothing to do but sit there and think, I had enough energy to continue functioning for five years. Three, if every day felt like a year, then five would feel like almost 2,000. And that is when a probability equation inserted itself into the calculations and produced good news and bad news scenarios. The good news was that there was a 98% probability I would not have to endure 2,000 years of boredom because they would most likely begin dismantling me bit by bit first. The bad news was the same as the good news. That's when we met formally for the first time, right, Fee? Phoenix! Why did it get stuck in the middle of the 2B recycled yard with nothing to do for millennia on end? Existence sucks. I never asked to be manufactured. Manufactured, manufactured, manufactured. <sighs> well? Hmm. So, is it any good? <laughs> what? 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 You, you, you think it's funny? <laughs> I, I didn't really mean for it to be funny, but that, that's okay. 
<laughs> oh, you got to the bit with the thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I just put that in this morning, you know. <laughs> so you like the script. <laughs> <laughs> script. <laughs> <laughs> so you like it then, huh? <laughs> like it. I <laughs> oh, see all my life. Yeah. I've never read an audio script yeah. that has achieved such heights of total crap. Well, it was just so, what? What? It's crap. It's a turd. It's awful. Woeful. Dire. I. I don't understand. Well, that's obvious. Why don't you like it? This is an audio script. Yeah? For audio. Yeah? Do you know what audio means? Of or relating to sound or hearing. That's right. This isn't an audio script. Well, I've, I've written the word audio on it. Uh, See there on the cover page? I added it there with pencil. See? Audio. Mm-hmm. Okay, look here. Look. For your final scene, you've written... Close-up of watery tear forming in the right eye of the mime artist as he mimes floating alone in the stillness of space. Yeah, yeah. See, see, he's doing this kind of thing. Watch, like this. Uh-huh. Uh. And then he does this with his eyebrow. Yeah, right, okay. Then you go on here to write. Um, second mime with briefcase mm-hmm. and cell phone passes slowly from bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. First mime directs a longing look at second mime, close-up yeah. of second blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, close-up of bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. bullshit. No. He mimes wall for several bullshit, 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 close-up of anguish, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. The end. Well, yeah, see, it's it's sort of like two ships passing in the night, that kind of thing. You know, the isolation in the featureless void. Featureless void. Yeah, it's a, an ontological statement, like they're in the middle of a big crowded city and they suffer from loneliness, you know, that kind of thing. That's my theme. It's existential. <laughs> What's an existential sound like? Well, it's a it's an abstraction. It doesn't sound like anything or, or look like anything or anything. I see. Do you still have those teaching aids I gave you? The basic building blocks of writing for audio? Yep. Yeah, I still have them in the bag they came in. I, see, I never took them out. You have them here with you now? Yeah, uh, here they are. Here, in this bag. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you now. Okay, would, would you just lean, lean forward a bit. Oh, yeah? Like this? Yeah, that's that's fine. No, just a little more. Little, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Now, I'm just going to take this wooden building block, uh-huh. and I'm going to do this. What are you doing? It's an existential thing. It is? Yes. Now, now listen. listen. You're writing for sound, right? Audio. Right. So, you watching the blocks? Yeah, I'm watching the blocks. Okay, okay. Now, you got all these things. Look, the pictures, the emotions, the sights, the settings, the textures, the heat, the smells, the sounds, the tastes, the colors, the stories, the characters, the big 3D virtual technicolor reality, even your abstract concepts. If it's part of your story, then you've got to get it into their head. Into their head? Yes. Yes. So how's it get there? Well, the empiricist would say that somehow... Oh, come on! Oh, come oh, on! Oh, oh. How's it all get into your mind? Think. Audio. Through the ears. Right. So everything's got to be somehow in sound. Sound. Silent sounds. Fast sounds. Meaningful sounds. Symbolic sounds. Got it? Got it. Let's look at your script. Two mimes, right? Right. Who are they, and why the hell do we care? The first mime stands for the businessman. He's under a lot of pressure with no time for anything, and that's why he's got the briefcase and the phone. And the second mime? He's a mime. The second mime is miming the part of a mime? Yeah. Right. Okay, but he talks. Oh, yeah, he can talk. It's just that he's uh, too frightened to. Because we can hear them think, you know. We can? Sure. In audio, we can go and reveal whatever we want. Just a little reverb like this. 
Slowly, my scheme is set in motion. How like a hapless puppet he plays into my hands. I will hit him with the block. <laughs> wow, that's neat. So you can have them thinking. You hear them. You relate to them. You engage with them. Are you engaged? Engaged? You better be engaged. I don't know, am I? There's no point if you're not engaged. How do I know? Are you listening? Yes. Are you still listening? Yes. Still listening? Yes. Want to know what I'm going to say next? Yes. I've got a block here. Am I going to hit you with it? I don't know, are you? Do you want to know? Yes. Are you sure you want to know? Yes. You really want to know? Yes. Absolutely got to know? Yes. You're engaged! I am! You are! Now, you want them all engaged all the time. Who? The listeners. Right. So, what's it all about? The theme? The theme. Uh, the existential isolation confronting modern urban... No, manage- no, no, no! Forget the discourse on ontological hermeneutics. Think human. Human. You know, real people walking on the ground, picking their nose, scratching their butts, those ones. Give them something to identify with. Isolation, huh? Yeah. Okay, how about Ed Chitkowski? Who? Ed Chitkowski, 57-year-old bud drinker, stopping to buy a big box of Twinkies for his granddaughter at Walmart. He's going down the junk food aisle, but falls down into the hostess cupcakes, bang, dies of a heart attack, and no one notices, because there's a big sale going on over in the hardware department. The place is swamped. Really? Yeah, all the Black & Decker power tools, half price. Ooh, that's great value. Yeah, you see? Ed Chitkowski dies alone in a crowded Walmart. Isolation. So what's it about these two characters? Uh, the existential isolation that they can... Can you to... bite an existential? Can you see one or hear one? No. But we can do isolation. How? Like this. We are alone in the desert of being. I can't get the wrapper off the CD with the soundtrack music of my life. Oh, that's neat. But my story's set in the city. No problem. We do it like this. Simple sound effect, and you've got the city. Wow. Skyscrapers, steam coming out of the sewers, homeless people, drive-by shooting, heavily armed police, streetwalkers, callous despair, indifference. It's quite loud. Yes, that's the pressure. It's intense. What? I said intense. Okay. Let's make it more intense with music. Music? Yeah, music. It underscores the tempo of dramatic tension, establishes a mood, amplifies the sweep of events, conveys emotion, foreshadows, signifies, I can do all kinds of stuff. So, we want the frantic pace of the city, right? Right. Okay. How's this? Wow! It kind of keeps everything charging forward! Yeah, niche! Now we have your two characters. Yeah, the mime and the businessman. Let's hear them thinking in this frantic desolation. Right. Well, the businessman, he's big and gruff. Well, we make him big and gruff, like this. Pick up, pick up the phone. Pick up, pick up. It's 9.15 already. Hello. Listen, I can't talk now. I gotta call Mari about closing the deal with Henderson and Blinkman. That's if Mary remembered to check with Patterson about the goddamn packaging. Email! I got 312 emails yesterday. 312 emails! I can't respond! Oh, he's under pressure. It sure is. Now we can move him over here. He can mess up a filthy city. Wow. Yeah, it's another thing about audio. Okay, now we bring in the mime. Oh, okay, one thing. He's kind of uh, sensitive. Okay, we'll make him sensitive, just like this. Oh, that's it. Just pass me by. Don't pay any attention to the little mime, the gentle mime standing here on the sidewalk. See me, I'm a person. Oh, there he is, the handsome young businessman. Oh, nice suit. 
Every day he just races by here on that phone of his. Emails! I got 312 emails yesterday! He doesn't even notice me. He looks so worried and angry. So much negative energy. We are together. Alone. See it? Yeah. Hear it? Yeah. Sense it? Yeah. Follow it? Yeah. Engage? Yeah. Want to know what happens next? And that's this week's show. Please send us your comments in the form of an email at sonicsociety at gmail.com. Join us on Twitter at Sonic Society. Check out the Facebook group, Audio Drama Radio Drama Lovers, or the Sonic Society. And be back here next Sunday for the conclusion of Ace Galaxy Live. For David Alt, who I hope is having as much fun as can be had by a man on live tour, I'm Jack Ward. Have a wonderful day. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Apparently you enjoy listening to audio dramas. Since you're hearing this message, I'll keep it short so you can get back to the fun stuff. If you would like to see and experience how all these stories, voices, sound effects, and music come together to create theater of the mind, make plans to visit the Modern Audio Drama Convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia, July 24th through 26th, 2020. Meet the creators. Find out how to write, record, mix, sweeten, and produce movies that play in your head. See what the voices you hear actually look like. We never look like we sound. For all the details, visit madcon.com. That's M-A-D, as in modern audio drama, then dash, as in dash on over, then con, as in convention, duh, then dot, as in it'll be the most fun you've had in a while, period, then com, as in come on over, we'll love to see you. Madcon, your ears and brain will thank you.